This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, look, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted. Intercepted. The next Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, The Game. We're going to have Kelly Graves on today's pod. Hey, everybody, Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins here. I'm so stoked about that. I I love middle of football season. We get a, a yawn game that it might not be a trap game for right. those guys in Eugene. I think it's just a trap game for us. I don't really care about Colorado that much. Right. I You know, I, I do see... Uh, let me start with this. I do love the way that Mario Cristobal addresses every opponent. You know what I mean? He's right. very, hey, look, these guys have some explosive players. Here's a few things they do on offense. Here's what we see on defense. You know, usually usually throws in a, they're a well-coached compliment um, on just about everybody. I have a feeling he won't do that for Washington, but other than that. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I mean, I love that, you know, I love that he does. And, and that's what you do as a coach. You've, you've got to prepare your team. You know, uh, we've heard the term faceless opponents in the past. That's what you got to have. But you and I sitting here and, you know, other there's a reason Vegas put a 20-point spread on it right. to start the game. Right. You know, the, the, to start the week. Excuse, excuse me. So, you know, Vegas is usually the ones that know the most of anyone, more than any media out there. So I tend to pay attention to them. I know you do, too. And it's like, man, 20 points, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Especially given how offensive Colorado is. They have a pretty good offense, really. I don't think it's all clicked. I think they're still kind of learning some nuances of their own offense. But they remind me a lot of Arizona State last year, yeah, where yeah. they have pieces, right? Yeah, and and they they don't have the talent either, right? They've recruited so not not this current staff, but in the past years they've recruited so poorly that you know I think they they inherited a pretty tough roster. I think they've done a lot with it, mm-hmm. but let's face it, Oregon should kill them. Yeah, really. And so it, and it's a Friday game, which always makes it weird. We got to talk about. That. Oh yeah, we'll get to that. But I'm excited for Kelly Graves. Yeah. Like, we get to talk a lot of football, and we were just talking off air before we got started. It's like, do we? I am geeked. I am juiced for women's basketball this right. year. Right. And it's the same story last year where I love basketball just mm-hmm. as a fan. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not my favorite sport. I'm always a football guy. My dad was a, a coach growing up. But basketball is my favorite sport to watch. Yeah. Of just the strategy of the game, the um, diversity in the game, right? There's all these personalities and all these styles and all these ways of thinking and ways of playing that are successful in the game. You can win like Golden State and shoot a million threes, (laughs) or you can beat that team with defense and rebounding, right? Um, When I watch the Ducks, I don't just see a good Oregon team. I see a good basketball team. Talking about the women's team. Yeah. And I, I just love that about them. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, what Dana Altman has done, you know, on his side is impressive. But what Kelly Graves has done is. Right. I mean, like, I feel bad saying that because Dana Altman's done a hell of a job. Dana can sneak a win in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Or a few wins in Vegas. Right. And a few wins in the tournament. Right. But look at Sabrina Ionescu. Yeah. 
she is the best women's basketball player on the planet. She's right the now. face of women's college basketball. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and she will be the face of the WNBA when she gets there. It's like they're not just beating teams. Yeah. It's like Fab Five where you're dunking your nuts in a guy's face. Yeah. And you're you know you're you're doing all the swagger moves and all of that. Like this team is just destroying teams. Yeah. And I I honestly feel like. Uh, they, uh, there's no question with Sabrina that they're the best team out there. But even minus Sabrina, I still think they'd beat, you know, almost nine, anybody. Yeah, almost anybody. I mean, it's yeah. just, and that's a, a that's a that's a tribute to Coach Graves and what he's built. He hasn't just built a program. He hasn't just built a team. He hasn't just built a winning season. He has built a juggernaut. He's built a powerhouse. Right. You're now quote-unquote Yukon of the West. Well, think about the nickname that Mario gave us. We had Mario on the pod. This is like, what, last summer? Yeah. Three, four months Spring, ago? summer, yeah. We, we have Mario Cristobal on the podcast, and Mario says, oh, you guys are talking to Kelly Graves later. Five-star Graves. Five-star Graves. He and, lives up to it. And so, yeah, so we told that to Kelly, and Kelly laughed about it, Yeah. and it stuck. It stuck. You got all the readers calling him Five-star Graves now. Yeah. It's like... Five star graves. It's not just Sabrina Unescu. No, he's got a ton of talent coming to Eugene, and he, and he brought in some key transfers too to fill you know some holes that that I don't even know if they were holes per se, but really shored up you know probably what he would identify as weaknesses. Right, I I would guess. Um, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I love having Coach Graves on, and it's funny. I sent um you know Jacob, one of my interns. He's a student at Oregon. Right, he went to the media session last week. And with the women's and uh, he got done and immediately texted me. He's like, holy crap, Coach Graves is the effing man. It's like, yeah, he's, he's good. He, he, he gives it to you straight, you know, and he's very he's very um, he, he comes across well. I mean, he does speak in technical terms, but he makes it so that everyone can understand it as well. That would be the only negative to, towards Cristobal is he gets a little far on the technical side sometimes, <laughs> and I get it because he's juiced about that stuff. Football so, coach, so it's not a knock. He's football a football coach, coach. Be yeah. a football coach. Yeah, but but Coach Graves has a, does a really good job of of making his point, but also making it relatable to you know ninety percent of the fan base. So. Isn't that the funniest thing? Like not to not to veer from this conversation. I think about the Ducks bye week and how Mario had said. My Father's Day gift from my wife, yeah, or my birthday. No, it's my birthday, birthday gift. gift. It was my birthday, birthday gift. gift from my wife, and is she's gonna let me watch cow film. Yeah, for another four hours. That is that's such a football coach thing. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it, it was true. It wasn't just like him saying it just to be cute or funny in the media. That was that was the truth. That's amazing. Yeah, Rum, <laughs> rumored he also got a gift as well, but that was that was what he was excited about. So. Uh, all right, so we're running a little bit late. I don't like to make Kelly late. No. Just get into this. He's got things to do, so he, we're far less important. Let's get to him. <laughs> Makes me laugh. Far less important, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. All right, we've been talking about this for a few minutes now. Now we get to get to it. Kelly Graves, coach of the Oregon women's basketball team, uh, one of my favorite interviews that we've done on this podcast, and we get to run it back. Coach, let's start with uh, Pac-12 Media Day and the expectations of your opponents uh, as the Pac-12 gears up for the preseason. You're the favorites in the conference for the second year in a row. What's that like? Oh, well, I mean, it's nice. Uh, you know, you get uh, the kind of the unanimous selection there is number one, makes you feel good because 
you know, people think you've got to get, uh, you know, pretty good team, but the reality is, fellas, it doesn't mean a thing. You know, we got 18 games to go out and prove that at, at some point here this season. So, you know, it's nice for now. It's great for the talking points. Uh, but the reality is here in a day or so, if, if it hasn't already happened, we've forgotten about it. You know, you move on, you grind, um, you're worried about that, that, you know, that next practice and then ultimately the next game. So, um, you know, it is what it is. I, I tell everybody, I'm, I'm going, why are we picked first? I mean, you got Stanford with Tara Vandeveer, a Hall of Fame coach. She's got nine McDonald's All-Americans on her squad. Right. How are they not considered favorites? You know, they're pretty good. So, you know, we, we got a bunch of really good teams in this conference. I, I, uh, I, I love your point there, Coach, but, man, that, that, that's, that's definitely just further a testament to what you've built at Oregon so far, um, you know, with recruiting and, and what you've been able to do. I want to bring up something real quick just because it came across, and hopefully you're, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but uh, an exhibition game on November 9th with, the, uh, with Team USA. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. That sounds really exciting, Coach. A uh, real special opportunity. Yeah, they said they were going to drop that at about 11 o'clock today. I haven't seen it, but uh, uh, yeah, November 9th, uh, so a month from today. Uh, we finally got this the contract done, uh, and USA finally was able to uh, to announce it everywhere. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, since next summer is an Olympic summer, uh, you know, they wanted to get the national team together and play as often uh, as they could. And, uh, and we're one of the stops, and, and that's smart on their part and obviously uh, smart on our part. We get a chance to play against the best team in the world right here in Matthew Knight Arena. So I would encourage everybody in, in uh, well, all of Oregon to come out and see the game, you know, especially down in, in southern Oregon. Let's get those Medford folks up here uh, that day. Um, yeah, you're talking Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi, I think Elena Deladon. You know, it's a kind of a who's who. Yeah. And it'll be a good opportunity to test us. Um, you know, it's obviously going to be, uh, you know, difficult to, uh, you know, to, to, to win that game. But that's not what we're doing it for. We're doing it to showcase our, our program as well as, uh, you know, be able to play the, the, the best team in the world. And even if the score doesn't end up in your favor, Kelly, I think you got a, a talent that can uh, hang with them. Not just Sabrina, but I'm so excited for the additions you added this year. I think about Mignon Moore and, and, and all the great talents you've added in. Uh, how do you feel about this team this year? Do you guys have uh, any extra tricks up the sleeve, or, or do you see it just as bringing back a great Final Four team from last year? Well, we obviously bring back a lot of talent, but we've got to get better. You know, I, and, and people, you know, it's kind of funny, you guys. I, I don't know. I bet at least three, four times a week I get somebody who comes up and says, hey, we got our tickets, you know, to New Orleans or, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever the case may be. You know, it's hard. It's really hard to right. get there. And I think just people assume that, well, since we got there last year, we, we returned a good portion of that team that it's just magically going to happen again, that that's kind of our right. And that's just not the way it works. Um, you know, it, this is a new season, new dynamics, uh, you know, other teams have changed, uh, but I feel real good about this group. You know, anytime you go into the game with Sabrina Unescu, knowing that I've got the best player on the floor, I don't care what game we're playing. Uh, you know, that, that, that makes you feel better. And, you know, you're in a good, good place i mean ruthie hebert 
I think right now is playing better than I've ever seen her play. She is healthy, and uh, she's just continued to get stronger and has improved her game. She she's going to be terrific. Obviously, Aaron Bowley's back. Satu Savali, you know, those are those are two stars, and I think Mignon Moore has really uh, really helped us. Uh, she's given us a different. Uh, dynamic and a uh, different tenor and toughness in practice because she's so such a an intense player, competitor, uh, really focuses on the defensive end. She talks. Uh, my goodness, it's tough to get this generation to talk. She really <laughs> talks. Yeah. And uh, and then you couple that with the other returners. Morgan Yeager's been playing well. Taylor Chavez has had a good a good fall for us. And uh, and Lydia Giomi, you guys has really improved, and so she'll give us some added depth. And, and, you know, I didn't even include the freshmen. I'm sure you'll talk to me about those at, at some point. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a good group. I'm real excited about this group. Yeah, Coach, i, I got to say that anytime you walk onto a basketball court with Sabrina, that you know that's showing up to a knife fight with a shotgun right there. I mean, <laughs> it's... Well, <laughs> okay, yeah. But yeah, I, know, you know, I know you don't want to tell her that. You don't want to give her too much uh, confidence there. Um, yeah, you know, I, I get some people that say I put some added pressure on her at the media day when I talk about her being the face of college basketball. And I listen; she's already got a lot of pressure on her, and she puts pressure on herself. I don't think I'm adding to that, but she is. I, I think it's a real compliment to her. That, right? That's a young lady that's transcending the women's game. I mean, men's basketball fans know who you're talking about when you say the name Sabrina. Yeah, I you know she okay. she gets shout outs from. And, and she's working out with Kobe and with Steph. And <laughs> come on, man, that's a that's a different stratosphere than than most women's players, right? And earlier, Justin was talking about this, Coach. As as great as she is, as special as she is, we think you could take her off this team, and you'd still be really good. Uh, you mentioned Ruthie Hebert earlier and the strides that she's made. I've always wondered if you took Sabrina off this team, what would the world see of Ruthie? How, how, how high would her perception be? Well, I think it's still pretty high. I think uh, she made most first-team All-American lists this season, so obviously people you know, think very highly of her. Uh, you know, the focus of the team would be different. You know, she would be the focal point each and every time down because she's that yeah. good. You know, the one thing that I, I've gotten from people, well, is she, how is she going to translate to the next level? Uh, because she doesn't shoot the ball. And the reality is, fellas, she does. She can shoot the ball from the perimeter. Yeah. Right. We just don't ask her to do it. We've mm-hmm. got other snipers out there, so to speak. She is so humble and so unselfish that she doesn't you know, worry about you know, doing that, shooting that shot. She wants us to get the best shot we can, we can get, and so that's either a three-pointer for, for others or something inside for her with a with a high rate, uh, uh, you know, percentage rate. So, you know, she's. Uh, I'm telling you, she's she's the real thing. She's getting better defensively. She's becoming a better leader. She's being more vocal on the court, and she she can be a versatile and a dynamic scorer. We just don't really need her to do that. But uh, boy, if we didn't have somebody like Sabrina, well, certainly she's going to be the focal point of each and every uh, possession. 
Yeah, and I, it's tough to say this because Sabrina is obviously a very talented and gifted player, but but Ruthie's one of my favorites to watch just because she'll get down there and bang in the, in the post. She's not afraid. You know, she, she'll take on anybody who's bigger than her, and I just I love that aspect of her game. And she plays her role really well, it seems like, Coach. I mean, it, she doesn't, you know, step too far out, and I think you alluded to that. She doesn't come out and shoot because she doesn't really need to. You've got that out there. Um, you, you, you hit it earlier, and I want to switch back to it. Uh, you you have uh, quite a uh, international flavor of of freshmen on the team, and I know you talked about this uh, with us last time, getting your girls out there and playing for their teams and and going back to their countries and developing there. I mean, has that just really kind of almost escalated in your mind? You know, given what you've done in the past six months or year uh, with your current group and getting out there and getting that exposure into those other countries, coach. Well, I've always, you know, my history and my time at Gonzaga and then then since I've been here, you know, I I like international players. That's always been important to me, and we've gotten some of the the world's best. When I I do recruit them, I always tell them that their national team is a high priority, and I want them to always keep it that way. Um, So, you know, Satu Sabali is going to miss the first three games of our season this year to go back and play with their national team because they're trying to qualify for the uh, for the European Championships, they're in a qualifier stage, and she's their best player. So, you know, I think that's important to, to let her go back and do that. Plus, if you start denying those opportunities to players, the word gets around, and then they they, they may stop coming over here. So, you know, I, I I think that's that's worthy. I mean, look at Ruthie right now; she's going to miss ten days of practice for us uh, because right now she's she's going to Dubai to play in the World University. Uh, oh. I think the World Beach Games. She's representing the USA, I think, with three WNBA players. I think Nafisa Collier, Kelsey Mitchell, and uh, well, so Jackie Young. And then they, they picked up Ruthie. So, you know, what an opportunity for her, but at, at, at our detriment. So it's not just the international players. It's our American players who are, are playing for Team USA. But I, I just think that's, that's really important. I look at Maite. You know, she's going to be in next summer's Olympics for, you know, playing for Spain. Sabrina and Ruthie both have a chance to be playing for USA in next Olympics. Uh, if the German team does qualify, they've got a chance to, to then, you know, and Satu will be in next year's Olympics. Well, let's face it. How cool is that, you guys? Wow. And, yeah. uh, and with our freshman class, Jazz Shelley's played on several of the Australian internet, you know, in world championship games and has won world championships. Uh, Holly Winterburn competes for for England right now. They're not probably in the in position to be in the Olympics, but she's going to be really their next star. Um, so I, I think that's just really uh, really cool. It's a big part of, of of who we are. Six of our thirteen players on the roster this year are international. Incredible. No, that's it. No, and, and was was that. Uh, I don't mean to go on a tangent, but was that a little bit helpful for you to be able to get this deal done uh, on the exhibition game with the with the U.S. national team? Was was that maybe a little bit a part of it for them identifying that you've worked so well with so many of these international teams? Oh, I, I don't know how much that had to do with it. I think they wanted to play the best teams they could in, in the United States to prepare them and also places where they were going to draw. Oh, yeah. So Oregon State is also playing them. Uh, the, the week before, you know, I think we have a good chance in those two games to draw 20,000 people. You know, 8,000, I think, is what Gill holds. We hold a little over 12, and I would expect that both venues will be uh, near capacity when, when we play, as they should be. And I think people need to, to support this. I think this is a great opportunity to see the world's best. 
Right. Yeah. Right. I, I look at it. I went to Oregon Tech, which is NAIA, and, and we yeah. have a, a decent women's basketball team. Scott Meredith, their Absolutely. coach, is a, a buddy of mine. But it, it for just from a gate standpoint, if I were a Duck fan, it would be a lot more compelling. You buy that ticket when Team USA comes into town. You're not going to buy it when Oregon Tech comes into town. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well... Come on now! Don't sell a don't don't sell the techies short down there. Right. But um, yeah, I mean this is a pretty special opportunity. So yeah, help uh, help get people here. I think uh, that's a you know once in a generation kind of thing to to, to watch. I uh, also wanted to ask you earlier. You, you mentioned what Tara is doing at Stanford and and how incredible that program is and the battles that you've had and and I think you're going to have a battle. Uh, in the years ahead as well, some of the talent they're bringing in. But when you look outside the Pac-12, Kelly, is is there any team that you guys look up to or you guys have any concerns about this year? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of obviously really good basketball teams. Uh, I don't really worry about them unless they're on my schedule. <laughs> uh, and, and at some point in the NCAA tournament, some of those really good teams could be on our schedule. Uh, you know, I've always looked up to UConn. I, you know, Gino's, uh, you know, I, I consider a friend of mine, and uh, we play similarly. I think we're the two most dynamic offensive teams year in and year out. It's been that way over the last decade. Um, we believe in offensive basketball. They've traditionally been better defensively, and that's why they've finished better than us. We continue to work on that side of the ball. Um, you know, Baylor is is going to be really good, you guys. But I'll tell you what, the best basketball in the country is being played in the Pac-12 right now. I agree. Uh, Oregon State's very good. UCLA's uh, going to be in the preseason top ten. So you're looking at four of the top ten teams in the country right here in the, in the Pac-12. So um, this is where the best basketball is being played. I guess that lends merit to what you're talking about. There's a lot that, that goes into you know being a unanimous number one and, and having a, a positive season, which I know you're trying to have. Uh, Coach, I want to lay some groundwork here, first of all, because not everybody's going to know. What are, uh, you know, what are you and the girls doing now? How often are you practicing? What's kind of the schedule between now and let's just say that exhibition game? You know, what are you got? What are you girls doing currently? Well, we, you know, we practice um, about five days a week right now. We try to give them a couple of the days off. Um, you know, I'm not a, a long practice coach. Uh, we get in, we get our work done, uh, we, we leave. I expect them to come in on their own at different times. Not necessarily with the coach, but just on their own. You know, these are big-time players with uh, professional uh, aspirations, so they know they need to be getting in and getting uh, work done on their own. But at this time of year, you know, we're, we're putting in a lot of new stuff. Um, you know, it, it, we don't uh, – let's see, what am I trying to say? You know, we're not focusing on games or anything like right now, so a lot of it is skill development. Um, I think that's always been really important to us. We get a lot of shooting in. Uh, we're the best shooting team in the country last year. Our true shooting percentage was first in the nation at 57.6. And just to put that in perspective, the Golden State Warriors were the number one shooting team in the NBA last year, and their shooting percentage was 57.4. So we actually had a better true shooting percentage than the Warriors did. Um, so, you know, it's something that we emphasize, and it's important to us. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, that's it. You know, we um, um, probably pretty much like everybody else in the country, about five days a week uh, uh, of practice. What have you, and uh, 
I know we've got just a few minutes left with you, but so far with what you've seen and what you know about your team, uh, and I know this is a little bit of a tougher question being the head coach, but what would you identify as is your team's biggest strength right now? And what would you identify as maybe the area you guys are working on the most currently? Well, I think our biggest strength is we have a lot of weapons. Uh, you know, last year we had four different players score 30 or more points in a game, and three of those four did it, tw- uh, you know, more than once. Uh, we're really unselfish. Uh, you know, that's, um, I, I think, uh, real testament it starts at the top. And Sabrina and Ruthie, those, those kids are really unselfish players. Sabrina, as great as she is in all phases of the game, she is a pass-first player. To her, that's the most important part of the game. And that, and others feed off that. So, um, you know, and I, I, I think that's what really makes this, this group special. On any given night, our players know that it could be somebody else, and they're smart enough and unselfish enough to feed that player. Um, I think, uh, you know, we, we pass the ball. We're the best passing team, or were, I should say, last year, best passing team in the nation. We were number one in assist-to-turnover ratio. We were number one in fewest turnovers. We were number one in, in turnover percentage. Uh, you know, which I think says we're the best passing team. Uh, we continue to focus on that each and every day. The areas we got better, got to get better. Quite frankly, you guys got to defend better. So we were number one in the nation in pretty much every offensive category in terms of uh, like points per percentage, those kind of metrics, or points per possession. Yeah, but defensively we were quite average, and uh, and and in many areas below average. So. I think Mignon will help us. We were uh, in the bottom 10% in the nation and turnovers forced. Uh, we want to increase that by two or three a game. You know, we don't need to go to be the best defensive team in the country. We just want to be much better. Um, you know, that's one of them. I think we got to get, you know, stronger. So the weight room has been a priority this fall as well. We're not the biggest uh, physically, uh, the biggest uh, team in, in that regard. So, yeah, yeah, we've, we've got areas to improve, but... I really like what I see so far, and I love the work ethic. No, that's great. And I know, you know, any great coach is always pushing, uh, you know, their team, you know, forward. So I'm certain, you know, everybody, even the top schools are identifying areas to improve. Coach, we're going to send you out, but I got one more question for you. Yeah, no problem, guys. Have you uh, have you gotten your copy of Movies and Other Things from Shea Serrano yet? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, and it's actually on my list of things to do. I struggle with how to get that stuff. I I buy books all the time on Amazon, but I don't think you can get that on Amazon, can you? Yeah, that's how I got that's how I got mine. I ordered. It on, I'm the same way as you. If I get it, if I think about it, and I can click it on Amazon, I'll get it. If I don't, I'll forget about it, and I won't end up getting it. You know. Uh, okay, then I need to get on there because I know the conference and other other things. You had to like special order or something. Yeah. What I, was it? Conference in five minutes, whatever he called it. Right. The the office book that he wrote. The office book. Yeah. 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 yeah Cause I'm an office fan. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I haven't fellas, but, uh, but I, I, I really love it. Um, is he going to visit? You know, I practice love him again? and he's a, he's a big fan of ours. So I'll support him. So I'll, I'll get it at some point. Well, I, I would think it would make a perfect, uh, you know, a signed edition for Sabrina for Christmas. I mean, there you go. <laughs> that would be that would be nice. And I'll tell you, I'll give you a couple of book recommendations. Uh, uh, one, it's been out a, a couple of years, called the, the Captain Class by Sam Walker. Uh, phenomenal. Captain Class. Okay. Phenomenal. Um, and then the other uh, author, Brett Ledbetter. What's really important. Those are two great reads for your for your fans, especially if they're basketball fans. 
All right. Okay. Captain well. class is fascinating. It's a deep read uh, and pretty analytical, but uh, I think you'd find it fascinating. So that's if you're the, into dynasties, sports so dynasties. That's the one you're not going to read in, in 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 a week or anything. That one's going to take some time. No, yeah. what's really important you get done in an evening that the captain class is going to take you a while. Gotcha. Okay. To, to digest everything in that one. Well, here you go. We, it's well worth it. We got uh, we got great basketball conversation and book recommendations from Five Star Graves. Sounds great. Okay. <laughs> okay. Five star. Huh? All right. <laughs> hey, hey, it's stuck. We like it, and we're going to keep rolling with it, Kelly. Yep, yep. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I hope we keep uh, holding up our end of that bargain, too. No no doubt. We're, we're excited for the season, Coach, and we appreciate your time and, and can't wait to talk to you again. Always a pleasure, guys. Call anytime. Thanks. He is the best. Oh, yeah. Good time. You, just, you, you could – you feel like you're kind of sitting in a chair next to him and, and maybe leaning back and, hey, coach, what do you think about this? Oh, that's great. I love that. Or You know what I mean? Just- what always amazes me with Kelly Graves, there is the Kelly Graves that he talks about. Uh, he's He shared this story on Duck Insider a bunch because him and Joey are, are real tight. The idea that when he worked at St. Mary's in the Bay Area way back in the day, he used to do a radio hit on uh, Ticket 1050, mm-hmm. one of those sports stations down there, and they would troll him. They would goad him. They would try really hard to get him into these just misogynistic arguments about, you know, oh, the WNBA sucks, oh, or gosh. oh, women's basketball sucks, right. right? And Kelly would school him. Right. But he would he was be kind of mean about it. Yeah. Because uh, you, you get kind of mean in that. Right. Well, it's, if you're going to come after interview. something he loves, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, you're going to come after. Don't be, don't be stupid. And and then you get Kelly Graves in Spokane, where everybody loves Gonzaga, and now you get Kelly Graves in Eugene, and he's got real women's basketball fans here, and oh, he's yeah. got people that love Sabrina like yeah. we do, love watching Sabrina, love watching this team, and just the the comfort level that he has in interviews now, it's night and day. Well, prior, let's think about. It. I mean, in in a realistic and I, and and I don't want this to come off negatively, but it is a realistic take. Before Kelly Graves arrived and started doing what he's doing, the attention paid to women's basketball compared to men's basketball. Zilch. Yeah, I mean, it, we were talking about huge disparity. Yeah. Whereas now, sure, men's basketball might still be a little bit more prominent, but it's a hell of a lot closer now than it was. Oh yeah. Five six years ago. Yeah. And rightfully so. Well, there's people like me. Again, I, I hate to harp on this drum. I love what Dana Altman does. Yeah. I love watching that team in March. I don't really care about the men in January. Right. I'll watch the women play. Yeah. I'll watch the women play whenever. I don't care. The men, yeah, when you're losing to Eastern Washington or, right. or, or Temple or last year, who was it, Texas Southern? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not that plugged into that. Right. No, and, and I think what stems from that, and you and I uh, you know, talked about this just before we got started, it's better basketball. The women play a better version of basketball. And it just, I mean, at a fundamental level, mm-hmm. I mean, there's terrific. And like coach Graves said, you know, that he has a terrific passing team and I freaking love to watch great passing. I love right. unselfish basketball. I hate watching, you know, one or two guys pass and somebody tries to make some crazy play from three point land that he has no business doing. Right. You know, and, and that's not a, I mean, that's not a Dana Altman team. I know he stomps his foot when that happens, but you know, seriously, the the women play the 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 product. You're a you're a soccer guy, yeah, right. You you love that game, and they call it the beautiful game for a reason, right? I see Barcelona in this team. Yeah, I see passing, and there's a fluidity, there's emotion, like right. you said, uh, a ball movement, and it almost becomes an art form. Yeah, and just 
as a basketball fan, you're captivated by that. Soccer and basketball are very similar that, you know, passing is the fundamental principle, really. It's not just scoring. I mean, you don't get to score unless you're a strong team. Same in basketball. You really need to be a pretty or you or you got to have some superstars. Right. That's the neutralizer there. But uh, you also have to your whether it's five or whether it's 11, like it is in soccer, that unit has to move as one. You know, you can't have a piece at a place. It, it screws everything up. So, again, it becomes an art form getting everyone where they need to be doing what they're supposed to do at the correct moment, but also obviously doing it at an extremely high level because the women's basketball, they're playing great teams, you know, Stanford, Oregon state, they're going to have some great, you know, and, and it's soccer, you know, you get some, some epic matchups there. I know we probably don't have a big soccer following. <laughs> I mean, I, I know the game of soccer really well, right. but that, you know, you got some Timbers fans probably that, listening. Yeah. To well, you. I'm sure we got some Timbers fans. I mean, I, I would hope so, but um, yeah, it's not really going to pay, but yeah, anyways, as far as basketball goes, like I said, right. Uh, no knock against the men. We'll have to see what they do this year just because it's so many new players. Um, but, but, but Kelly Graves, like he said, he's got so many players that are so unselfish and you do see that you could, you can tell it's not just, Oh gosh, we got to get the ball to Sabrina and hope she scores. It's not even remotely that it's here. Let's get the ball to Sabrina, let her draw the double. And then she's going to dish it down to Ruthie in the post or whatever. The other takeaway for me was, and we can use this to turn back onto football because I think there's a lot of Mario crystal ball in what we heard from Kelly. Yeah. It's one thing for a fan to say, oh, I want your defense to be better, or yeah. oh, I think the offense should be better. But Kelly doesn't say that. Kelly says, we want our offensive efficiency to be better. Right. We want our, our defensive you know, plus or minus or our efficiency stats, or we want this certain thing tweaked just a slight bit. Right. Right? He's getting into the weeds and right. the details. And I just can't help but think of Mario looking back at that 17-7 game. Right. And fans might say, oh, we think this needs to be improved on. Big picture. But the coaches are looking at all the details. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're looking at analytics or they're looking at game tape that you know none of us. You can go and watch a uh, an airing of any game you want, whether it's basketball or football. You're not going to see what those guys are going to see. They've got camera angles. They've got all 22 when it comes to football. You know, they've got so many different things going on. They're going to see so many different facets of the game and stop it and rewind it. And the difference is they know what the play is supposed to look like, both in football and basketball. Right. We're merely guessing what's supposed to be. Oh, they, you know, it looks like this guy should be doing this. Well, maybe that's just not what they drew up. You never know. So um, and, and again, I, I need to back that up. I uh, I totally love, respect, appreciate and am just grateful for the insight that Hithliday and QB11 post on, on Scoop Duck, you know, looking at the games. Right. And again, just to add credit to what they're doing, they're doing the absolute best with what's available to non-coaches. You know, I mean, they're they're looking and trying to, you know, in most cases, they probably have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. There's going to be some cases where they're, you know, predicting or guesstimating maybe what the, the teams are trying to do. So I love their analysis. I love their takes. It is not to take anything away from them. But again what the coaches are seeing and doing is, is, is a different element, of course. Right. And that applies to Coach Graves. You know, he mentioned Minion Moore right away, like, well, we want to get more turnovers. It wasn't just we want to play better defense. Well, here's what we want. We want we you know probably want some more steals is what he was thinking. She's not much of a shot blocker. So, you know, obviously he was getting a little bit more in the weeds there. But, uh, again, I'm thankful for Coach Graves' time. I know you are. I know you love having Coach Graves on. Might be your favorite guest. He's probably my favorite. Well, that and when we had Shay. Yeah. Like Shay was up there just because I've read Shay for years. Right. Years. I yeah. mean, I, I remember when he was just breaking through at Grantland before yeah. Grantland shut down. 
and reading this guy covering a middle school football team. Right. And I was like, if he can make Houston middle school football compelling to right. a college kid in Oregon, then he's he's fun. He's got something. Yeah. Right. And he does have some. He has a cult following. He's built a cult following. Yeah. Is the way. For I a reason. Say it. Yeah. It's great. He's up there, and then, yeah, in terms of duck people, it's Kelly Graves. Yeah. Kelly Graves great. and Mario Cristobal. Yeah. I mean, Coach Cristobal's great. He always does great interviews, um, you know, as does Coach Graves. You know, Oregon's just uh, – Oregon athletics is just absolutely, you know, blessed and fortunate to have the head coaches they do. I mean, between, you know, between Coach Altman, Coach Graves, and, and, and Coach uh, Cristobal, they've got it nailed. Uh, hopefully, hopefully baseball's on the trend up, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful for Waz. Yeah. I, I really think that could be uh I think uh, Lombardi will be good too. Yeah. I think she got bad rap last year. We'll see. Yeah. But maybe we should talk about football now. Right. Right. I mean, you know us. We right. I could talk about Lombardi and softball for an hour. You could I yeah. I, and I couldn't. I wouldn't. I just don't know. I'm enough, softball but, guy. Yeah. I'm that guy yeah. that just gets way too into it. But uh, but a part of that is I'm in the one market in the country that yeah. uh in the spring we have beaver baseball. Right. And people call about it and people care about it. So the spring sports are a little bigger of a deal for, for Medford man than they, they are. are anywhere else. They are. Uh, back to football. Football. 17-7 win. Right. Key word there is win. But go ahead. Okay. Okay. So that's <laughs> where I was going to go. Um, there's a lot of Duck fans. The sky is falling. This is terrible. This is awful. Fire everybody. Right. And there's people that just, hey, hey, just win. Right. How, how, how do you take it? I'm just thankful this team's not two and three or else shit would be burning down. Right. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I get it. You know, the the I, the ideas. So just so you know, I haven't put I, I, I got a sneak attack on you. We got another guest and we can bring him on in the next few minutes. No but, way. Yeah. Is Gary Campbell. Everybody wants Gary Campbell back. So guess what? I got Gary Campbell and he's going to come on on the podcast here in a few minutes. So, but he's he's retired. Uh, I think he had to be go- be golfing by one. So we got time with him. Okay. Yeah, that was his. Thing. Well, I got to golf at one. I don't know if I could do it. Like Gary, it's at eleven thirty. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> right. As long as we don't have Jason yeah. Brown on the pod right. again, then I think we'll have enough time. And to then he's like, Co-, you know, he goes, I just telling you, Jay, I don't, I don't plan much these days. I'm retired. He's like, I, you know, I, I plan golf like once or twice a week. Other than that, I'll wander out and go fishing or. I don't have to plan anything. I'm retired. I said, I get it, coach. I get it. So it's funny. But anyways. <laughs> Meanwhile, the fans are, are screaming for him. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> he ain't coming back, guys. He don't want to come back. I promise you. He's about to tell you that, too. But anyways, thank God this team's not two and three. I mean, at the end of the day, a close loss to what what is still a good Auburn team. You know, sure, they got beat by Florida. Didn't look especially great in that game. But, you know, they've beaten some other good teams along the way. It's a good team. Uh, you know, you beat Stanford, who now suddenly doesn't look as bad as everybody thought they were when Oregon won because they beat Washington. Jekyll and Hyde. It is. It's that's conference play, folks. That's epitome of conference play. Oregon State should have never beat UCLA. They shouldn't have. Not that I, you know, you know, I called it. And Not that's that fine. you're rubbing it in. No, but they shouldn't have beat UCLA. They oh. really shouldn't have. That's <laughs> conference play for you. Right. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Uh, you know, Arizona shouldn't beat Oregon last year. It, they just shouldn't have. And, I agree and with you there. Again, it's just conference play. That's just the way these things go. So, you know, that's why they play the games. You know, you could see, you know, Stanford healthy one week. USC might be healthy this week. Who knows? They might actually give Notre Dame a game. I think Notre Dame's overranked, but I still – USC's got the firepower to make it a ball game. Mm-hmm. And two weeks ago, we were kicking them and leaving them for dead. Again, that's football. So, at the end of the day, 
I keep harping on this. At the end of the day, the most important stat you're going to look at for this year, this season, is the win-loss record. Right now, Oregon's 4-1, and one, and they're in full control of the conference. They yeah. really are. Of their destiny. Number one in the Pac-12 North. In control of their destiny. The, the goal, let's all circle back to August or, or July or whenever we started talking about football because it finally got close. The goal was to win the Pac-12 Conference. And you are perfectly in line with that at this point. Yes. If your goals moved after Oregon won a couple games, that's on you. There's, you know, if you change your perspective on this team, you know, hey, this is looks like a playoff team. They beat Nevada seventy-seven to six or whatever the score was. If you moved your goal back from July or August, that's on you. You're probably going to be a little bit hurt. And I feel like, with with that in mind, winning the Pac-12 title as the goal for the season. They could have this wrapped up by Halloween. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they haven't even been healthy. You're getting receivers back. And, you know, I know from my lock of the week last week, I told you from my heart, I wanted to go Micah Pittman and say, oh, he's good. You know, and even Rusty first game out there coming off an injury, he's still, you know, four big catches, a couple that were really tough, only 40 something yards. But you take that all day long. That just really shows you what kind of a special player he's going to be when he gets some reps, when he gets some time, when he gets you know the injury pushed past him. This week might be a bigger week for him. Who knows? This team's getting healthy. Jawan Johnson, even though he didn't do much in the game from a statistical standpoint, they still had to respect him. Cal still had to respect suddenly, oh, gosh, there's this six foot six, 225-pound kid out here. Yeah. Yeah, we should probably guard him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that makes an impact. Like, not to get too in the weeds, but... If you have a receiver who's a threat at the goal line to catch fade passes, yes. the defensive coverage has to shift for that. Yeah, they have to drop back, and they're also spread out. So if you want to run up the gut, that's a perfect marriage right there. And Oregon did that. Um, you know, Again, is Cal a, a, an amazing top-10 team? No, they're not an amazing top-10 team, but they were a worthwhile opponent in the Pac-12. Oregon's offense definitely got off to a slow start. No question about that. If you want to blame Arroyo, go ahead and blame Arroyo. If you want to blame Herbert, you can blame him. If you want to blame the run game, you can blame that. At the end of the day, it's a team element. You know, Arroyo does have to dial up the right plays. They do have to execute, which is partially on the players, partially on the coaches. I remain in that boat that's just in the middle. Okay, I think Justin Herbert can be better. I think he does leave a – I don't want to say he leaves a lot to be desired – but he does miss some plays, some pretty egregious plays that, in areas that you'd think he would have grown in by now. And I'm talking about wide, wide open receivers, you know, maybe not really doing the RPO game as strongly as you'd like. I'm not bashing on Herbert. He is good enough for Oregon to win, and they're winning. They're 4-1. Was the run game perfect? No, but it certainly changed after, after Verdell went out. You know, Verdell was running incredibly well there. Um, you know, Oregon, at, at the end of the day, we're still picking on Oregon's run game, and it got 4.8 yards a carry, and they went for 206 yards in the game against one of the better defenses in the conference. You'll take those numbers. Mario Cristobal will take those numbers. Right. Sure, would everybody like it to be 350 yards rushing and, and, and seven big 30-yard chunk plays? Of course, that's the goal. Okay, but at the end of the day, if you can do enough to win, just win, baby. And, and I see this. I, I love that, by the way. I, know I love – I love that. I'm a Raider fan. I have always said, you just win. You don't, just win. don't care how you win. No. Win ugly. It's still a win. Um, 17-7's not the scoreline everybody wants. No. I had a guest on Monday, Joey Mack, Duck yeah. sideline reporter. He said, Duck fans want Miss Universe. 
right? We want sexy. We want to win sexy, win pretty. And I don't think the coaching staff has that in mind. I see a team that in this step of trying to build an SEC style in the Pac-12, you're not winning with Justin Herbert throwing five touchdown passes and Correct. Micah Pittman catching every shot in the yard and you know 500 yards on the offense. You're not winning that way. Right. You're winning in the trenches. Yeah. And so ask yourself this. Is Penny Sewell still an ass kicker? Yeah. Is uh, Shane Lemieux, Calvin Throckmorton, all these guys still dominating? How about Kayvon Thibodeau? Yeah. Player of the week, right? Yeah. If those guys are doing their job, that's a pretty win to this staff. Yeah, the the staff looks at it this way. Did we win the football game? Yeah, okay. Great. We won the football game. Are we healthy? Yep, pretty healthy overall. The the Cumberlander injury uh, you know, sucks, but it by no means changes the ultimate dynamic of this team. I think it was uh more of a you know, more of a of a camaraderie loss than than an actual performance loss. I love Gus and the way he's developed, but you know, let's face facts. He's you know, if Justin Herbert goes down, that changes the the dynamic of this team. It's it wasn't that injury. Yep. So you're healthy. You won the game, and you get to get out of there and game plan for for the next opponent. I mean, you know, sure they're gonna go back and watch the tape and fix things that they could have done better, should have done better. You know, maybe things they could have called differently, whatever. And that's that's how you get better. That's what you do. But again, Mario Cristobal is not gonna go into that locker room after a win, especially when they were down 7-0 at halftime and the way they responded in the second half and yell at those guys. The, the absolute op, opposite. I mean, they went at, they went back out there after halftime, didn't panic, didn't change their game plan at all. Basically said, guys, stick with this process. It's going to work. It's going to work. And eventually it did. Third quarter, fourth quarter started wearing down. Cal couldn't hang with them, couldn't stop the run. Um, that's what you do. That's what good coaching does. When you start getting cute and funky and doing all these other things that you haven't done or practiced, that's when the game gets away from you. So like you said, like, you know, Joey said there, yeah, everybody's wanting Miss Universe. They want perfect wins. They want 77 to zero every week. That isn't how football works. It doesn't even work that way for Alabama. Right. Right. Like there's weeks where I joked about this before. Bama's going to struggle with the Citadel. Yeah. You know, and it's because sometimes their skill guys just aren't in sync. They're not going to run that you know, finesse air raid that everybody else is doing and, right. and chuck the ball across the yard and score 10 touchdowns. Clemson barely beat North Carolina a couple weeks ago. Right. Like 25-24 or something. It was like, that was one score game. Yeah. They just went. They won, though. They're still number two in the polls because they won. Right. I mean, that's, that's it. And, and I brought this up on my show on Monday. You know that's going to be uh, a college football playoff team. Oh yeah, absolutely. As, as long as they don't lose the rest of the way, yeah. like they just take care of business. Who yep. cares by how much they win? Yeah, they're going to be in the playoff. Yeah, the college football committee is not going to go in there and say, "Oh, well, you know, they only beat North Carolina by one. Let's push them out." Right. They don't give a shit. Right. They won. Right. And if the Ducks have any chance to get in the playoff, right. the committee's not going to say, "Well, we like your record, Oregon. Right. You have eleven wins. You win the Pac-12, but you only beat Cal by ten. Yeah. That's right. not going to happen. And I agree. This isn't to say that you shouldn't have criticisms about this team. That's okay to do. I, I, that's a fan's right. The way I see it, the scoop duckers, the, the active scoop duckers, guys posting every day, they're the one percenters. They're the people that are in it all day, every day. They love it, and, and that's great. Okay, I, I think there's a mass group of Duck fans that casually show up to the games and honestly don't even know all the numbers of the team. 
And I know some of those one percenters listen with, <gasps> you don't know what number Kayvon Thibodeau is? <laughs> Not everyone does, you know, and, and that's okay. So I, I don't have a problem with people criticizing certain elements of the offense. If, you, if you know, is Marcus Arroyo perfect? No, he's not perfect, and I don't. I, we could get him on the podcast, and I know he would never say that. Okay, but he's doing enough on his side of the ball to help Oregon win the games. You know, their job was to score one more point than Cal. They did that, or whomever. Um, you know, is it perfect? Could it be better? Yeah, it, it could. Is it ever going to be like Chip Kelly was in 2011, 2012? No, it's not. Right. That just and, let that go. And after last Friday, maybe you don't want to copy Chip anymore. Yeah, I mean, just saying. You know, I posted that Mario Cristobal. And Props to you, Mario Cristobal and Chip Kelly were hired within a couple weeks of each other. Within two weeks of each other. That's amazing. Exact same time. That's amazing. And look at the directions of the two programs. Not just the season, like wins losses. Look at the total direction. Look at the recruiting. Look at the personnel. Look at the you know. Look at all these different elements. I mean, they couldn't be farther apart. And I'm pretty sure the win-loss record reflects that, which is what everybody looks at. Yeah. Once again, don't get me wrong. Andy Avalos is great. Love what he's doing with the defense. The defense is the best I've ever seen at Oregon, period. It's the best defense I've ever seen at Oregon. I don't mind saying that. And it's not just props to Andy Avalos. It's He gets a lot of credit, and he should. But you got Ken Wilson, who's a freaking stud coaching outside linebackers. You've got... Big Joe Salavea, who's been around forever, coaching up the D-line. You're seeing those guys play at an extremely high level. You've got Dante Williams, who everybody basically said was a recruiter and has two of the best corners, maybe two of the best corners in the nation, but certainly two of the best in the Pac-12 conference. And then you got Keith Hayward, a guy who was considered for the D.C. job, coaching your safeties, and Javon Holland's playing like the best safety in the country. He's freaking Honey Badger back there. You've got to love that that collection of coaches is there right now and the product they're able to do. Yeah, the, the offense maybe isn't quite matching their production, but it doesn't have to. I mean, it's just, you know, again, 77-0 to zero ball games just aren't going to happen week in and week out. Just take the good with the bad and take the win. That's the thing. The win or the loss should be about 80%, 90% of your feelings, and everything else should be secondary. You know, if you if you're that upset over a win, then you need to adjust something. Yeah. Because a win is what freaking matters. Yeah. At the end of the day. And they keep winning. And I I know it's a long shot, but Pac-12 title. And yeah. if you keep winning, you yep. get that record up. You get some help. Maybe a Clemson loses. Maybe a Georgia loses. Maybe a Notre Dame loses this week to USC. You get some help, and all of a sudden, there could be a little bit more coming in January. I think the help comes, and this will be weird, but I think the help comes via the SEC. They've got a lot of fairly good, above-average teams. Again, you're not going to convince me that Florida's that great of a team. No, but they got a good defense. Sure, no, but they're a good team, but they ain't a great team. I mean, Alabama's you know ahead of everybody else. Alabama and Ohio State right now are the class of the country, in my opinion. And Clemson and Oklahoma are not far behind. The The thing I'm about to say is you've got LSU, you've got Florida, you've got Georgia, you've got Auburn, you've got all these teams in the SEC that I think are good but are also beatable. They're going to they're gonna feast on each other. I, I, I believe that if it plays out this way, the committee is going to have a tough time putting a – you're going to have a tough time putting a second SEC team in there 
if they have one or two or three losses, whatever the case is, you're going to have a really tough time doing that. It's almost one of those things where it, at this point, and you don't have an ACC team to put in there, and you don't have a Big Ten team to put in there. Well, I mean, I don't know, Wisconsin, I guess. I like Wisconsin, but yeah, well, they, I, I like them. The problem is they play Ohio State in the regular well, season. There you go. So you're going to have a tough time doing a one or two loss Big Ten team in there. You don't have a Big 12 team to put in there with Oklahoma. So to me, just, and again, we're projecting, it's going to either have to come from Notre Dame as an independent, depending on how they do, or the Pac-12. I mean, that's really just the process of elimination. It's not sexy, and it, but again, you're going to have a tough time putting a second team from the same conference in there if they have multiple losses. So right now, you know, Oregon might be the one that pushes through there if they can win. And well, I mean, if they can win, I think they got a legitimate shot. They're going to have to win, period. I don't care what the scores are. They just need to win. And if for any reason they they do falter and lose a second game this season, it's still possible, but it would definitely take some work. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's open. It's there. But again, my expectation, me saying that doesn't change where my expectations are. My expectations for this team, even if that does play out, win the Pac-12. That's the stepping stone in what Mario Cristobal's done. He came and, and basically joined on with Willie Taggart after inheriting a four-win team that recruited like shit for a couple years. And here we are just a couple years later, a few years later at this point, a few years, three years later, talking about them being a playoff contending team. That's really unheard of. It really is unheard of. So your 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 expectations should be tempered. I mean, they the realist I mean, even even lofty expectations should have been two years ago, this team winning the Pac twelve. Those were lofty expectations two years ago, and here we are kind of taking those for granted in my mind. It's pretty wild when you spin it that way. But it's an instant gratification world. I get it. Not just in football, in everything. 2019, baby. Yeah. Just win, baby. But we got Gary Campbell. <laughs> let's let's call it. Let's see if Coach Campbell is awake. He might be taking a nap. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, That's what know. I would do if I were retired. <laughs> I, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's got a golf today. He's got a nap. I don't know. We'll, we'll ask him what his, his jobs are today. Right. Now, keep in mind, he, he was not able to watch the entire game on Saturday. <clears throat> so, you know, he wasn't able to see a lot of what happened in the second half, but by, but by my account, what happened in the second half pretty much was the same as the first half. It was just not uh, – they just didn't screw themselves. They didn't, you know, put the ball on the floor. They didn't throw picks. You know, Oregon really shot themselves in the foot hard. That game should have been 35-7 to easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oregon left so many points on the field. You know, a field goal, definitely a, at least a touchdown or two. They left a lot of points on the field that night and still won. Yeah. Which is tough to do. Yeah. I mean, how many times do we watch a Chip Kelly team lose because they left, you know, points on the field? And the reason that was was because they didn't have the defense most years. Yeah. This team can afford to make those mistakes and still win because their defense is that good. Like, like you said, taking this full circle, and then we're going to get Gary Campbell, Ducks legendary assistant <laughs> back in the day. Um, this is the best defense we've ever seen at Oregon. For me, hands down. I love the 2012 defense, uh, and that had some dudes on it. But top to bottom, this is as good, as well coached, and as deep of a defense. I think we, they deserve. I know people afraid to call them gangrene. I don't know why you can't call them gangrene. I, right. mean, I mean, it's great. And for all the hullabaloo about only scoring 17, you just held another team to seven. To seven that they scored uh, within the first five or ten minutes of the game. Yeah. 
That was it. Then and after that, it was down. yeah. After that was nope. Sorry. You you have games where you've shut teams <laughs> out. You have games where you've given up three. You have games where you've given up seven. Yep. This is a great defense. Yeah, I mean, Bo, which which to me says Bo Baldwin scripted uh, a couple series of really good plays, and one of them paid off. And then after that, or Oregon made the the defense made their adjustments and said, "Eh, we're good. We're good. That was it. Good luck." <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're freaking awesome. The defense is just crazy good to watch. All right, so uh, Gary Campbell, Gary Campbell, and then we'll talk Friday game. Yeah. And well, there's a game on Friday, huh? Right. I yeah. I hate that. I, yeah. No, I I, I, I want to rant about that, but let's save that. We'll save for that after let's, Gary Campbell. Gary's only going to be on for five ten minutes, guys. I'm not going to get a long time with him. I'm going to let him speak for himself on what he's seen from the run game, where you know you guys can shut up about bringing him back because he ain't coming back. <laughs> and uh, we was talk to Gary Campbell for a few minutes. Okay. Gary Campbell here with us on Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. This was huge. Justin, you threw this to me as a surprise guest this week, and I, and, and I love it. I forgot to tell you. It was, it was really what it boiled down to. I'm like, oh, yeah, then we got to get – yeah. But no, it's it's a very uh, a very poignant gift because uh, everybody's talking about the run game. Right. Everybody's talking <laughs> about the run game. Everybody has their thoughts on it. Uh, Coach, what's your takeaway watching the Ducks run game this year? Well, you know, I, I'm – just watching them, you know, like I, re, you know, I recruited CJ, and 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 quite honestly, I, uh, you know, I thought CJ was was not a first tier guy, but a guy that could really help the program because at the time that, uh, that I was recruiting him, there just wasn't a lot of you know high profile backs available that that I really liked, and uh, and also Darian um, the. Uh, uh, and, and he hasn't played a lot because obviously he was a quarterback in high schools and everything. But um, both those guys, I thought, were were good backs. You know, they you know they weren't uh, uh, Jonathan Stewart's or or, or 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 any of those kind of guys because they didn't didn't have that that size and durability or anything. And obviously, that that durability is important. Yes. Um, obviously, CJ just uh, got hurt. I think in the, in the in the first half of the game uh, last week when I was there, and I didn't see him anymore. So uh, I'm assuming he had uh, some kind of like ankle injury or something. But I I just don't think you know that Oregon has right now you know the kind of backs that you know that that they've been popular for, and um, but they do have a good committee of backs. They're good backs, but they're they're just not. Uh, you know, they're just not those real high-profile guys. It's, I guess what you're saying, there's there's no real feature back in in that group. Exactly, exactly. There's not a guy. I mean, you know, there's there's not a guy that's just going to set it on fire and you say, hey, I know at any time that that guy can break the game over, like a oh, Michael James or something. You know, sure. um, you know that kind of guy. Uh, you know, you just don't the the, the defense. Just is always on their heels because they just don't know when. Hey, this guy's going to break one and 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 go the distance. I just don't think they have um, a, a bunch of guys like that, you know. So they they're kind of doing it by committee, and and they're doing okay. But uh, as I said, they just don't have that 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 feature back right now. Uh, Coach, obviously, uh, you know. You coming through, you spend a lot of time with running backs and, and you know what to coach and, and things to look at, what they're doing well, what they're not doing well. 
from a from just a coaching standpoint, from just a technical standpoint, uh, you know, Jim Mastro has the job now. Have you seen any real, real glaring issues with with anything they're being coached on or or, or fundamentals? Obviously, that that does, you know, the the uh, the limit the athletically limiting factors aren't anything Jim Mastro can control. So beyond that. Have you seen any glaring issues with those guys with footwork or, or handwork or the way they're holding on the ball or anything there? No, and 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 you know what, Justin? You know I would never say anything about another coach. Uh, oh yeah, but uh, you know I I I don't see any flaws in in, in in how they're being coached. You know, it's just a matter of uh, you know just just having uh, that talent to to get the job done. Sure. Uh, I, I, as I say, I don't see any flaws in, in the coaching. Right. Okay. I don't, I don't know the running back coach. I have I've never even heard of him. Uh, and as I watch those guys play, um, you know, I don't see what you would call deficiencies in coaching. Sure. Actually, I don't, I don't see any, any of that. Uh, but you know, you have to, you know, you gotta have, you know, you gotta have the talent, to to get it coached and have guys do what you'd like for them to do. And uh, I, I I don't I, I mean I'm not looking at the game and saying ah wow, this this guy doesn't know <laughs> how to do this this guy doesn't have great footwork or this guy doesn't have uh, a, a good uh, a defensive tools to keep from being tackled or any of that stuff. Some of the stuff that I really um, was high on is you know having guys know how to break tackles, having guys understand how to be aggressive runners and and that sort of thing. I, I don't really see a lack of that. I just see maybe not having the tools that that some of the players have had in in in, in the past. Well, and and you definitely you know I know fans are very familiar. You recruited some some superior guys. I mean, LaMichael is just one, but you know, you talk about Jay Stewart and you talk about Freeman and, and then uh, obviously when Kenyon got the call moving over to running back, I mean, those guys were, uh, were, were special. How much, so this offense is, is obviously different than, than you coached, you know, for the most part at Oregon. Um, right. You know, and I think, I think the biggest, uh, what I want to say, the biggest thing that's missing is you are a offense that's, that's really predicated on the run game. That's what Mario Cristobal wants to do. And you don't mm-hmm. have a feature back really to do that. I mean, is that right? I mean, is, cause it looks like to me, I don't know from you what you've seen, but the, it looks like the offensive line for the most part is blocking fairly well. It, oh, that, they, they've got a really solid offensive line. I, I love those guys. You know, they, a bunch of them have been playing there for a long time uh, since freshman. <laughs> and, and um, you know, I, I think they're, they're probably as good as most. I mean, they would be in the top six in the country, top six day, you know, lines in the country. Right. So I think they're, I think they're good, and they and they work together. And you know, I, I can see the cohesiveness in there when when those guys are are doing their jobs. So I, I think the line does a good job and and gives uh, the backs, you know, ample opportunities. And like I say, I think they're good, but you know they're just you know they're, just, they're they're guys that are doing their job. Uh, where you know you have some guys that hey go a little bit further than just being a good back. Coach, I, I want to 
look back at what Justin just said, uh, laying off all these great names of duck legends at the tailback position. Jonathan Stewart was a beast. Michael James was a freak. You know, all these great talents that you got to see firsthand. I think back to guys like Dino Filia and and Dino just Filia. Yeah, I was that, on the sideline with Dino last week. So. Right, right, and <laughs> and just if it seems like every great Oregon back, at least in my lifetime, I'm 27. You've seen uh-huh. them all, and and now you get to kick back and see things from a different perspective. What's retirement been like for you? Retirement is awesome. I've been, I worked all my life for it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and I enjoy it. And, you know, people say, well, don't you miss it? Don't you miss it? And I go, you know, really, I don't because I put my time in and and it was time for me. You know, the, the time in was perfect. Uh, I was ready to get out. I was going out anyway. Um, and um, it just all happened for me the way I would I'd like for it to happen. Yeah, that that's kind of nice to go out on your own terms for the most part, and then you know, like you said, you were in a spot where it made sense. It wasn't like, oh, I could coach five more years or ten more. Years. Uh, so, you you retire. What are some of the things that you're uh, doing to keep yourself busy? Uh, the besides watching some duck games a little bit. I watch duck games. I uh, I uh, I, play, I play a lot of golf now. I have, you know, I, I'm 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 just getting to where I'm almost decent. You know, because I, in the past I've just played little tournaments, uh, you know, for Oregon and fundraisers and that sort of thing, and I was just, you know, horrible. <laughs> and now that I'm getting to play a little bit and and uh, took a few lessons in learning to to go out and play better, I enjoy the game a lot more. So I'm going to have to play today in just a little while. So nice. <laughs> uh, and I'm here in Portland, and finally it looks like the sun's coming out. So. I'm looking forward to a great day of golf. Great, yeah. No, you better take advantage of those last few Sundays. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know that all too well, uh, Coach. Just you know, I'm going to throw this out there just so it's in your word. Absolutely, any itch to return to coaching, or 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 you're in a great spot now. No, I'm done. Yeah. You know, I've had a lot of a lot of offers, a lot of people calling me up saying, "Hey, you know, you are you done? Are, you know, you are you interested in doing anything?" Uh, a bunch of folks would ask me about starting camps and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just, you know, hey, I, as I said earlier, you know, I worked, um, I coached for four, over 40 years. And um, my my goal was to finish my coaching career and be done with it. And that's that's where I am right now. You, you graduated a duck, a retired a duck. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, uh, forever forever a duck forever a duck um no that that's great to know and then i obviously you've earned it now it's been a couple years or a few years and and even since your uh, last year at oregon uh, you know the recruiting has accelerated even more i mean how right. how you know just from your recollection if you how how wild how intense has recruit, recruiting gotten just inside the coaching aspect of things well you know right you know, and that's one of the other reasons I'm glad I got out when I did, <laughs> because man, it started to get too intense. And you know, with all the uh, uh, internet stuff and and all the information you get now, it, you know, it's good, but sometimes you just you got you got too much. You know, you have just have too much to make a, a, a evaluation. You got too much information. Um, these guys now, and I feel for them because it's like you got to keep up with the Joneses. 
Right. You know, you, you, what everybody's doing something different all the time, all the time. So, um, you know, you got to keep up with that. And, you know, I'm an old school guy. You know, I've been, uh, <laughs> it, it was tough for me just when they started doing all this electronic stuff you know, and then computer stuff. I was back when there was no cell phones. I had one of the first <laughs> cell phones uh, in Oregon when I was when they first came out. <laughs> so uh, 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 I learned from that, uh, and uh, and and now it's just grown out of abortion. I mean, I feel I feel for these guys. I was talking to Greatwood um, a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, "I think I might be getting out soon." <laughs> I said, "It's getting too wild." It's getting me. wild, isn't it? So yeah. uh, you know, us old guys. You know, we had a, we had a different different. Uh, process and recruiting and everything so it's it, the, the the new system now and and you know with with all the technology uh it's it, it's keeping guys busy night and day it it seemed like just even as short as like 10 years ago uh you know it was let's and i just generalization but like it was 65 percent coaching and 35 percent recruiting that's that's pretty close yeah <laughs> and it seems like it's flipped now it seems like it's it's 70 recruiting and, and 30 coaching 30 bit coaches right? yeah yeah it's it's pretty uh well i would like to say it ain't like the, it ain't about the x's and o's it's about the jimmy's and the joe's that's so true <laughs> well you know and that's the thing we're you know a lot of fans are 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 you know how fans are man some of them are rational some of them are pretty rational they're Right, they're emotionally invested, so you understand why. But you know, some of yeah, they just want to win. They just want to win, <laughs> and when they want to win, seventy-seven to zero, apparently. Every right, <laughs> right. And, like, and, like nobody, like nobody else is out there coaching and recruiting. <laughs> right, and and I mean that's you know that's been the talking point this week. You know, Oregon won seventeen to seven. You know, the offense mm-hmm. you know sputtered in the first half a little bit, but obviously got it going in right. the second half. But everybody's upset, and it's like you realize that Oregon won, right? I mean, we won, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, and you're right. Fans don't, I mean, and it's like, hey, we want to just kick booty. <laughs> we want, we want to kill them all, <laughs> like like those other guys don't have any talent or any coaching. Yeah, and Cal's a good team. They had, a, uh, they were good. Absolutely, good. absolutely, they're a very good team. Well, and obviously, you know, I know uh, your old cohort there, uh, Coach Greatwood. He did a great job with the offensive line for Cal. Um, yes, you know, I know they were injured, but they played really well as well. Um, yeah. No did, question, they did. So everybody, uh, and so I guess going back to the the first things you said, you know, the fans have been upset, and one of the biggest criticisms has been the offense, and then the second, the byproduct of that's been the run game. But you know, just right. from what you said, it looks like everything's in place other than just having that that dude that can get. You know, you you know, you knew at certain points of the game that if you gave Lamichael the football, he was going to get two or three yards guaranteed. And then there Absolutely. was the bonus of it being thirty yards, you know. Right. Um, and it just seems like Oregon just doesn't have a guy that, you know, for sure can do that. Right. Uh, and I agree with that totally. Yeah. Uh, did you did you pay much attention to the defense? They're getting a lot of love right now. Defense is a hey, their defense now. They, I love those guys. Those guys, hey, they 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 keep Oregon going. And um, they're doing a hell of a job on defense. And and you know that's. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They're they're a team, so you know if if the offense is not able to produce the way you'd like for them to, then your defense has to step up. Sure. So I mean, it's a team effort, and and if the defense is playing well, uh, that's that's going to help you to win football games, and that's and 
that's the main thing is winning the game. Like you, you said earlier, we know they won seventeen to seven. Well, you'd like fans would like for them to win fifty five to seven or whatever. But as coaches, um, you you just want to win by one point. <laughs> you know, just win the game. You know. Yeah, that was my point earlier. As I said, I doubt Mario Cristobal went in that locker room and yelled at anybody for winning. Heck no. He went in down seven and a half and comes <laughs> comes out ten in the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's I mean that's almost harder to do, isn't it? You're you, you know you're sputtering, things aren't going well. You go in the locker room like guys, stick with it, it's going to work, and then it does. I mean, it's you've got to have impressive command of your team for them to buy in and say, okay, coach, you know, exactly. Exactly, and especially when you order, you know, and 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 you know, it's like, hey, you know, we're we're doing the things that we need to, to we need to do, we're doing the things we need to do to win. You know, we've made some mistakes in the first half, and hey, what what they had three turnovers in the first yep. half or something like that. Yep. Well, it's that's tough. Yeah, and they lost you know? all three of them. That's the hardest part. Right. Yeah. And so you 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 you, you got to tell your players, hey, look, this is look what happened. You know, and you're only down by seven. Hey, we can go out and we can win this game. Just we got to correct some mistakes, score some points. We win the game. We go home happy. Yeah. And that's what they did. Yeah, no good. No, Coach, I, I, you know, I know for myself that we really appreciate your insight. You're a guy that's been in there on the sideline, in the trenches, in the locker room. You, you know you know, Oregon athletics as good as any – Oregon football as good as anybody that we can get on the podcast. So we appreciate that. We've had Bilotti on a couple times too. Oh, have you? Yeah, and and he, uh, yeah. he he likes the team. I mean, he likes what Coach Chris Ball is doing as well. Everybody, everybody's behind Coach Chris Ball. It's just a matter of of getting the fans to maybe just buy. Oh in. yeah, I, I like Mario. I think he's a I think he's a great coach. I think he's a good person. I've I've spent a little time with him uh, a couple times actually. I was up in Portland when they had the uh, kickoff uh, dinner up here. Mm-hmm. Spent some time with him. He and me and uh, me and Lamike did. And uh, I, I actually saw him when I was down in May from, you know, um, you knew I was there for my son's mm-hmm. uh, uh, award that they uh, started at the Mike Bellotti Golf Tournament. Okay. And um, got a chance to talk to Chris Ball a little bit there and got a chance to talk to him even more so uh, at that at the little dinner up here in Portland. So I, I think he's a great guy. You, uh, you wouldn't be going to get a, a burger from the Michael after golf today, would you? Uh, well, no, I did, I did that yesterday. Oh, okay. <laughs> How, how's that going for him? Is he doing well there? Oh, doing very well. Doing very well. Good. No, that's, yeah. that's you know, awesome. Every, everybody up here loves him, so they're in there eating eating a lot of burgers. Nice. Well, I've had several people that have mentioned they've gone in there, and the coolest part is, is that, you know, almost every time michael has been in there, and he's working it, and he's smiling, and he's greeting tables, and they love, like, fan, and people are just... Uh, you know, people are happy to support somebody that's investing so much time into it. I think that's a big part. Oh yeah, of oh yeah. He's no, he's in there all the time. I mean, he's a busybody in there. You know, just uh, uh, doing things. He would say, "Oh, you know, you, you know, you own this place, and you out here, you know, you cleaning up tables, and mopping the floors, and he does it all." <laughs> good. Well, good. Good. Well, Coach. Uh, I mean, good luck out there. Hit him straight. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Coach. Okay. Good talking to you. That was awesome. That was awesome. You know, my, my takeaway there, obviously Coach Campbell is having fun in retirement. Of course. 
He gets to golf today. Yep. He's got a sunny day in Portland, which, yep. like you said, you can't take that for granted. You were just rattling off a bunch of great questions, by the way. Oh. I didn't want to jump in and, and steal the thunder. I was in the zone. You were in the zone. <laughs> right. It's like a no-hitter. Right. I don't want to break up yeah. the no-no. Yeah. Um, don't make eye contact. The, yeah. one question, <laughs> the one question that I had uh, was, Coach, if you have time and you need money, have you ever thought about being a broadcaster? Yeah. Because he's got those pipes. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine like him and him and uh, Voice of the Ducks, Jerry, in there on a call? They would have fun. It'd man. be pretty good. They would have fun because because be he's already loose, and Jerry will loosen you up even more. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Hey, uh, total sidetrack here. Did you listen to the radio call on Saturday? I did not. Okay, so late first half. I was driving through town. I was meeting up with an old fraternity brother who was coming through on a work thing. We were going to go have a couple beers. And I'm listening to the Ducks game, mm-hmm. and Jerry did a Geico read that turned into a huge Southern Oregon thing. Oh, really? He, uh, he tripped up on the Geico line so easy a caveman could do it because mm-hmm. he's a Grants Pass alum. Right. You know, Grants Pass caveman. Right. And uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you're I'm a caveman. caveman. Yeah. yeah. And, and so Jerry was like, no, I'm not going to read it. And everybody else <laughs> laughed at him. And then he started telling everybody how great Southern Oregon is. He nice. started talking about Grants Pass. And then uh, he mentioned, you know, North Medford mm-hmm. High, your, your nephew's team. They yep. played one of the best teams in the state on yep. Friday. Hung Had him on them. the ropes. Yeah, hung with them. And, uh, and he was just talking about how great Southern Oregon and Southern Oregon high school football was. It, it really made me beam from year to year. He, uh, yeah, he was down, uh, I think it was, I think that would be May for the, uh, Duffin for the Ducks down here. And, and it, I'm not, I'm going to plug that Duffin for the Ducks is a lot of fun, you know, golf event down here. I think it's usually in early May. Maybe it's June. It's June. It's June. It's early June. That was the one where Kelly came down too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Coach Graves was down here. You know, there were several football coaches. They always come and they do a round of golf on the on the country club, and it's great. Um, encourage people to, to go. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Jerry was, was down here again, and uh, he comes down every year, and he, he looks at me and he goes, man. I just hate leaving this place. I was like, yeah, you know, it's it's nice, especially you talk about you know Southern Oregon in the spring. I mean, is is ridiculous. It's the best part of our state. Yeah, we. I'm biased. Yeah, but it's the best part of our state. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And you know, it was one of those days where it was you know 83 degrees and perfect, and you know, just a slight breeze, and you're on the golf course, and you know, they they have that's such a great golf course because it looks you know the backdrops, all the mountains around, right? Know, the, the and just he's standing there looking at me on the on the um, veranda there and when he goes man I just I gotta get back down here it's like well it's kind of hard to broadcast games from down here but I'm sure you can figure it out <laughs> but no it, it you know it, I love Jerry just such a, a fabric of you know he's such a fabric of Oregon you know when you talk about football when you talk about Oregon sports he's such a great right. great human being but yeah that's funny to, to hear that he does lo- he does love it down here yeah, yeah. imagine him and coach Campbell together that'd, oh, be, that'd be pretty funny that'd be great uh, but, but no that was great I mean you know everybody's Everybody's pissed off about the run game, right? Well, you know, here's the here, and you got it straight from the guy who recruited the guys that are there, or some of the guys that are there, and right? Even acknowledged, you know, possibly some of the short. Now, you know, of course, Coach Cristobal or you know, Coach Master aren't going to come out and say any of those types of things about their players because why would you? There's no advantage to that whatsoever. When you're retired, you can you yeah. can call a spade a spade. Yeah, and I don't think he was overly critical. I think he was just looking at it from a, a from a rational standpoint. Like, hey, look, here's the deal: right. those guys are good. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm sure they're working hard, but 
if you guys are expecting them to be LaMichael James or Jonathan Stewart, that's not them. That's just not them, any of them. So um, I think they're doing as much as they can, and they're great players and great teammates. And, you know, whether you like a Royal, you hate a Royal, whether you, you know, it, it certainly looks like if you were to, I guess the way I see it, I think, I think everything attributes to the run game maybe not being where it should be. And, and by everything, I, I would say, you know, defenses are coming up to stop the run game. Uh, you know, part of that might be play calling. Part of that could be the offensive line. And part of that could be the running backs. If you are prioritizing them, I'd say running backs are probably at the top of the list. But it doesn't mean the rest of those things are excluded from the list. Right. It just means you might say, okay, running backs are 40% of the reason why and offensive line is 20% of the reason why. Just throwing out numbers. And, and like you said, it it was a point, and it's a valid one, but it wasn't necessarily a negative thing of we're not saying C.J. Verdell and Darian Felix can't run. Yeah. It's those guys fit in a bullpen. Yeah. Right? We use this term with running backs a lot now, uh, the way running backs are utilized in the modern game, yes. where you have – uh, a third down pass catcher. Right. You have a third down pass blocker. Right. You have a a full back. You have an H back. Yep. You have all these versatile kind of bullpen guys. Right. The Ducks don't have that guy who can start on the bump for eight innings. Yeah. They don't have that guy that hey, Lamike, you're going to have 30 carries today. Or yeah. hey, Jay Stu, we're going to Ann Arbor. We're in the big house, and we need you to carry the rocks so we can win. Yeah. Um. They don't have that guy. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And that is, yeah, like you said, Ada's okay. But yeah, not having that, hey, we need a buck 50 from you today. You know, that's going to be tough. I mean, CJ can do it. In some games, that'll be tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not going to be on a consistent basis. That's the key. I don't think it'll be a problem in Seattle. I don't think it's a problem in the Palouse or Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're not playing at Wazoo this year, but still, they're playing Wazoo this year. Yep. I, I think that. Where it's going to become an issue, if at all, is if you win the Pac-12 and you're going up against an Ohio State or yes. Wisconsin, yeah. or you're going up in the Rose Bowl against somebody with a good, tight defense, yeah. they're going to take away your passing game and, and force you into third down, so you got to negate that by getting something on second. I would not want to face Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. I'm just saying, that's a damn good football team. Imagine Jonathan Taylor in, in Oregon's backfield. He'd have a gazillion freaking yards, dude. Jonathan Taylor versus that D-line, though. Well, no, I, yeah, I'll, in the game, but I'm just saying, if you plugged and played a running back into Oregon's offense. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, if you took and put if you took a put, put a guy like that who should be a Heisman contender, he would definitely be a Heisman contender in, in Oregon's backfield. I mean, he should be at, at Wisconsin, but, um, yeah, I, I think that's a critical fact component of, of this team, and, and again, uh, whether you like or don't like Jim Mastro, there's only so much he can do. He can't go and take, you know, this person with certain limitations and make them into what you want. I'm sure he's coaching them up every day. Those guys are great in, in pass blocking. You heard Coach Campbell say, you know, he doesn't notice them doing anything technically wrong from, you know, footwork or anything like that. So, I mean, you're, you're making the most of what you have. And, and I feel like we're harping on the run game, but that's what everybody's doing on my board. So I figured we'd at least address it. We right. addressed the elephant in the room. Uh, other than that, I don't think the run game is going to be a problem versus Colorado. I mean, uh, you know, Oregon should win that game. Yeah. You're favored by 20 points. I feel confident in the Ducks. And we can talk about that a little more at the end. Uh, lock it in and the, uh, the predictions. Play, play, yeah, play, yeah. Player predictions. Play, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you know, Colorado's strong point, if you're picking one, is their offense. And Oregon's strong point is their defense. 
you have def you definitely have better athletes on on Oregon side than you do on Colorado's. If Chenault doesn't play, I I would definitely agree with that twenty point uh, point spread. If Chenault if Chenault's out there, then that kind of change that doesn't change it by twenty points, but he certainly adds an element to the game. Yeah, that kid's a freak. Well, to me, that's where the ASU from last year there the Arizona State comparison really yes. comes into play. Yes, of you've got a team that they're not a great team. They've got some good pieces. Yeah. They have an experienced quarterback. The O-line's good enough. The run game's fairly strong, and they have some good receivers. And they have, um, you know, they have one really dynamic wide receiver in Chenault. They have a couple complementary guys, which is, like you said, it's a very fair comparison to what ASU offered last year yeah. for all those guys left. All right, man. Yeah. So we've had two great guests today. Yep. Uh, still got game uh, some duck stuff coming up, but five games? Five. Yeah, let's roll through the games of the week. All right. Okay, so five games. You have your list. You're you're ready, man. I was on a top more ready today. Yeah, I yeah. Fortunately, some of the the contributors, uh, you know, the interns and stuff, contributed a lot yesterday. So I'm like, oh man, I got like two or three stories I can use. I don't have to. I have to get them in there and post them up there. But it wasn't like I had to sit and write three stories this morning before right. I rushed out the door. So right, it was helpful. That's um, I'll go with a couple and then I'll let you go and see what you got. Sure. Uh, I wrote it. Down. I don't know that I necessarily say this is one of my five, but Friday also Virginia and Miami plays in addition to Oregon playing. That's five o'clock on ESPN. I, you know, UVA uh, ranked twenty. I I see a I see a ship with a couple of small holes in it in Miami, beginning to to suck some water up. I mean, I don't think they're going to fire their coaches after this season, but it certainly looks like that thing's got a couple holes in it right very taggart-esque of last year in my opinion wow uh, but uh, i mean bronco Menhall's a great coach i think he's gonna beat him second game is an absolute no-brainer <laughs> i'm sure you have it saturday uh nine o'clock oklahoma versus texas red river yeah yeah that's a no-brainer you yeah i mean great greatest thing about oregon playing on a friday night you got saturday to watch actually some pretty good football games on saturday what i love about that one is there's always the Texas State Fair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get all that food. Yep. Have all the fun. Yep. I gotta, it's I, gonna be the best venue ever. Yeah. I gotta do that one year. That's on the bucket list. Yeah. Uh, that's Saturday, nine o'clock on Fox. You've got number six Oklahoma versus number eleven Texas. I think Oklahoma's going to absolutely smoke them by thirty. That's my guess. Wow. I think Texas is overrated. Wow. See, I I felt like Oklahoma Kansas last week. I, I felt kind of underwhelmed with Oklahoma. A little bit. wasn't their best offensive performance, but again, just like we talk about Oregon, a win's a win. Just win, baby. They won. Yeah. Uh, third game, and I'll let you go. I did write down. I wrote it down. FSU at Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. You're two out of three for me right now. Yeah. I have. I have Oklahoma, Texas. I have FSU, Clemson. Yeah. Well, you go first on that one. I just. I, I think FSU will play them tougher than people. They're actually. I don't want to. I mean, I know the the Taggart haters are going to hate me for saying FSU is playing a little better football of late. It doesn't mean they're playing great football. And and Clemson, you know, slipped up there a couple weeks ago. Um, that one falls in line at twelve thirty at ABC. So so far, I haven't doubled up on a game. So I'm just plotting out your Saturday for you if you're not doing your honeydew list. To me, there's there's two really fun outcomes of this game. 
One is Clemson destroys Florida State. Yes. And Duck fans get that schadenfreude. Well, and that's big, and then that might be the beginning of the end for, for Willie Taggart if that happens again, too. Right. The other really fun outcome there is if a good Florida State team shows up. Right. And then it's like, eh, Clemson, are they really number two? They are might they knock them off the perch. Yeah, who knows? I still don't think they will, but I think it's just it's just an interesting storyline to follow, and I think Oregon fans are going to kind of want to watch there. You go ahead. I'm sure we got a couple of the same ones next. I actually have like six or seven games. But. No doubt. So I, I do want to hit on one more thing. Um, your second Friday game there, mm-hmm. Miami-Virginia. Yeah. To me, that's the dude TV game. Yeah. Of, you know, they always joke that, you know, men, when they have a TV, they're always avoiding the commercials, yep. jump away. So that's the thing is you watch the Ducks game on Friday night right. and then just flip over to that one for uh, when there's commercials. Exactly. Um, here's what I had um, Arizona State Wazoo. I know you're not high on ASU this year, nope. but. The more they win and the more they stay in games, I think you really have a contender in the Pac-12 South. You always do. I mean, I, th- I think with them, they're offense-based, and if their offense is going like it can, you got to watch out for them. I mean, you do. You have to respect that. If it's not, then they become a very average team at best. Like you said, it, it, they got a new quarterback. You know, Minshew left, and he's tearing up the NFL now. So I, I think that's one that you have to watch that – the second half of the season, they become that team that you really don't want to play. Yeah. And then, and you're going to make fun of me because I know you think where this might be going. I'm going to go in a different direction instead of USC Notre Dame, which I have, which I think is going to be an ugly game. I have Florida LSU just Ah, because as, as much as we made fun of that Florida team at the beginning of the year, they were so sloppy interceptions like candy, that defense is awesome. Defense is good. Offense isn't great at all. I think LSU is going to expose them. I think LSU is going to kick crap, kick the crap out of them. I think LSU is definitely a cut above. And so, I mean, what sticks out to me is one's ranked seven and one's ranked five. Again, that's where where I was talking about earlier in the podcast. I think the SEC is going to start to cannibalize itself a little bit, and putting in a one or two loss SEC team not named Alabama is going to be not impossible but difficult. And opens the door for Oregon if they keep winning. Yeah. If they don't win, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I have that one. That's I mean, that's number seven versus number five. I did write Florida LSU. Um, and I did put down USC at Notre Dame. I mean, I I, I think USC will play them tougher. Um uh, Slovis was cleared, to uh Talanoa Hufunga was cleared. So USC gets a little bit back a little bit back. Uh, and I think again, I think Notre Dame's over overranked at, at number nine. I think it'll be I think that game will be closer than it should. So, so what's your fifth? Uh, I wrote, uh, I wrote down um, Washington and Arizona. Really? Yeah. Well, I don't know, like, man. Like you think that the Huskies will drop I, another one? I just think that game's going to be a lot closer than it should be. That fifth place in the Pac-12 North is going to play like it? Well, and it's an 8 o'clock game. Ooh. Shit gets weird, people. Yeah. Yeah, eight. I don't. I don't know what the deal is with Washington this year, but if you play them at a weird hour, they just you got them. Yeah, yeah. No, maybe you know Chris Peterson's getting older. Maybe he just can't stay up that late anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe these guys <laughs> need new mattresses in the dorms or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I I kind of like that angle. It's different. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. But after last week, I do have the Oregon State game on here. Uh, I f- thought you might. I thought you might do just that. because. Yeah. Yep. Like I can see it. 
I didn't think they were going to beat UCLA. Right. Now we can talk about this. You said the Bruins were going to lose, and I thought you were freaking crazy. Right. I thought there was no way. I am crazy. Yeah, but yeah. like, but not not crazy like a fox. <laughs> I was like, man, this guy needs to be in an insane asylum right. here. Uh, Beavers don't just win. They blew out UCLA. Yeah, they did. That was a rout. And I, I know that Utah is a massive leap in talent, mm-hmm. but if that offense can play like that, yeah, you have a shot with anybody. Right. From a schematic, I, I think just from a schematic sort of standpoint, I think, you know, Oregon State, has a shot. I, I I didn't write that one because I, I do feel that the U.S. U, excuse me, UCLA win was a bit of a fluke. Although I, I just get it. I feel like that team in UCLA has given up on Chip a little bit. I, I think there's some wow. I think there's some issues down. I'm not saying they've flat out quit, but it, there certainly seem to be some you know things going on there. You know, you, Utah. You know, I I think Utah is hoping to start to get healthy. And, and, again, that's going to become a team that you just don't want to play. Um, again, I didn't list that one only because I think Washington and Arizona will be much closer than it should be. I don't know if the Huskies got a wake-up call or not last week, um, but I did see, uh, I think it was Chris Anderson posted that um, Washington hasn't won at Stanford since, like, 2007 or something like that. Was, that's amazing. Yeah, man. that's a long time. So, uh, you know, I think Washington will end up beating Arizona, but it is – you know, we all we all prior to last week we all expected that to be a forty-five to three win, and I don't think it will be. So yeah. I don't. That's all the games. I mean, Penn State plays Iowa, and those are both top twenty teams. That's gonna be boring as hell, though. Penn State's gonna whoop them. I I think that if Iowa had beat Michigan, that that game would be a lot more exciting. Yes, but just you know now, hey, if they can't even beat Michigan, right? And both those offenses sucked. Yeah, you want to bitch about Oregon's offense? Ugly Go watch football. those two. Yeah. Go watch those two. Be, be thankful. Like, yeah. As much as we say, oh, you know, this is ugly football, and they're not scoring enough. Right. It's not the Big Ten. No, that's ugly. Go watch Iowa and Michigan. That was brutal. If you want to bitch about Oregon's offense, go watch that. Yeah. Ah. Uh, oh well. But yeah, there's there's the games. There's so. Uh, there's your five games. A great, a really, a really a good game. A really good slate of of college football on Saturday. I mean, I know Oklahoma Texas is a no brainer to me. You know, you're probably going to watch that USC Notre Dame game uh, or Florida LSU. Uh, you know, that's a good one. And then you know, you got some other options there. I think it's a good week. Yeah, I hope it so was too. better than last weekend. Last weekend was a <sighs> terrible weekend of college football. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Which made it a great day to tailgate all day. How was that for you, by the way? It was really good. I actually kept myself in check. I was a good boy. Had a few beers. Kept it Kept it in check. You're, you're not shirtless screaming J-Hop no, when you get into the stadium? No, no, well, none of that. <laughs> no, it was a great day, though. I mean, gosh, I, don't, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know who else tailgated listening to this, but just uh, just from a – just from the standpoint of it's, it's October – it's a home game. The game starts at five. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to get there at ten and start tailgating. You can show up at one and have plenty of time to eat and drink and and enjoy yourself. And it was, it wasn't quite eighty degrees, but it was. I mean, man, it was a nice day. Did anyone tap you on the shoulder and say, "Hey, I, I recognized you from TV"? Uh, oddly enough, no, not from TV, no. But uh, somebody I had. Well, I get people every week, but uh, that recognize me when I walk through the the stadium or whatever. But there was I was. I was walking right up to the men's urinal and like, oh, dude, Scoop Duck. I was like, it's always the weirdest thing. Uh, yeah, it's the weirdest like, place for conversation. Yeah, I mean, like, like, you can't shake anybody's no, hand. Yeah, yeah. You can't yeah. wave hands. It wasn't like it wasn't like out of bounds or anything. It wasn't. I mean, it was just kind of like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yep, yeah. So, 
weird. Anyways, but no, I got to give you kudos for that that interview you did. What's that with the with the Bud Light hat? Oh, with the Bud Light hat, on, yeah, uh, on NBC Northwest. Yeah, it yeah. was making me laugh. <laughs> That's my. I literally was like three dollars at Walmart. It was a great. It's a great hat. Uh, lock of the week. Sure, let's do it. Lock of the week. All right, lock of the week. You go first. You want me to go first? Yes. Okay. So, my lock of the week. Okay, so I've got. I got. I'll do a lock of the week and then the, a sub lock of the week. Okay, my lock of the week is going to be that Oregon will get three interceptions in this football game. Three total. The sub lock will be Holland has two of them. Wow. Hey, I will say this. You went that direction before the Auburn game. Yeah. And it happened. Yeah. Like, whoever has the feel for Holland that that is talking to you, they're (laughs) on it, man. Yeah. No, I I think it'll be a a great chance for him. Uh, You know, I think Lenore and Graham are playing great. And the reason Holland's having a lot of success, people aren't talking about the reason. Okay. Holland's a tremendous player and a tremendous talent, great instincts. But a, a, a part of the reason he's having so much success is because Lenore and Graham are forcing errant throws and Holland's cleaning house on that. I think he'll I think he'll do it again this week. But anyways, yeah, so that's my pick of the week. Three interceptions by Oregon. Two will be by Holland. All right. Yeah, for me, it's – I think the offense steps it up this week. Oh, okay. At least 28 points. Good. At least four touchdowns, probably more. Uh, this is the week where everybody bunkers down yeah. and says we got to answer to the critics, and I I know coaches can say that they don't care about that stuff. Yeah, players are on Twitter. Oh yeah, players are reading the blogs. Yeah, players are lurking on Scoop Duck and and all these sites. They know what you guys are saying, right? And they want to work at it. And I think this week they they just take out their aggression. Well, anytime we've seen something come up. You know that that doesn't look right. Mario Cristobal's addressed it, and prior to the Cal game, okay, take away the turnovers and the run game was way better against Cal. Right, and it was it was it was dynamic, and they were able to get. You know they they had a good yards per carry average. Um, you know they gained two hundred six yards. My log of the week last week was two fifty. I think had Verdell stayed out there, they probably would have gotten that, but obviously it didn't happen. Um, you know, so that they clearly fixed that. If they've fixed that and the receivers are healthy, I really like your your call there. I think the offense could be nearing a point where we start to see them be a little bit more consistently better, I guess is what I'm looking for. Maybe that's the right term. But, yeah, because they've had elements of the pass that worked well, had elements of the run that worked well, but really haven't brought it all together. Most complete game they've played offensively this year is Nevada in my mind right by far right and I think they get back to that track this week I think so um I also got to mention and we don't really have a slot for this but I need to rant about that Friday game of just how freaking stupid it is they are stupid like your angle the recruiting side how many high school kids right like like think about Keith Brown who we we had a a caller ask us about Keith Brown like what a couple weeks ago Mm mm-hmm Great linebacker in Oregon, yeah. in uh, Lebanon, and he got to visit last week. And there's pictures of him hanging out with players and all that. How fun that was for him! How how valuable of an opportunity that was right. for him and for the Ducks trying to recruit him. You can't get Keith Brown on Friday, right? He's playing in a game, right? Yeah, no, I agree. It, and, and and furthermore. Uh, I just don't think that many people watch a Friday night game. No, 
I mean, that's well, the and problem. that's the angle that I hate. Yeah. I mean, here's the deal. If you're the Pac-12, you're looking for ways to help get your team's exposure. Playing on a Friday night at night doesn't help you at all. No. I mean, you're still a night game, so you, so now you've got people back east who are maybe they're at a party or a whatever gathering, and they have it on the background, but nobody's sitting there glued to the TV watching Oregon. Everybody knows somebody who is invested in high school football. Yeah. Oh, your yeah. nephew is a starting quarterback sure, of right. a great high school football team here in Oregon. I cover high school football here right. in Oregon. I'm watching those games. Right. You're watching those games. Uh, we've all got family that are doing that. And so the odds are, in small town communities in Southern Oregon, you're not watching the Ducks game Friday night. Right. Oh, no. No, it's definitely it's down the list. Unless you're – I mean, obviously the diehard Duck fans are, but outside of that footprint, you know, not a lot there. And, and I, I do – I agree. I, you know, Oregon – or not Oregon, but the Pac-12's had a couple of Friday night games – this year already, and I think they're hor- horrific for the conference. I just don't think they do anything for the conference. And ask yourself this. Would Bama do this? Right. Would Texas do this? Well, there's a reason there's no SEC teams playing on a Friday night. Right. They understand Right. high school football needs its night. Yeah. No, exactly. The Friday night games are terrible. Just like I think the Thursday night NFL games are terrible. They don't do anything for me. I mean... It depends on the game for me. Yeah, well, they haven't been like, very good. Like, usually. you got to bet on it, and you got to have fantasy. Oh, well, yeah. And even then, you're only going to watch a little bit. Right. You're going to have Joe Buck on mute. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, Friday night game for Oregon, I don't see this being a major benefit for them, but, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, they they don't control the scheduling all that much, I don't no. think. Yeah. No. Uh, player, the, player of the game. That's it. Player of the game. Player of the game. Justin Herbert. You're going, oh, you're going Herbs, huh? Yeah. Big Herbies. Yeah. I, I think this is a rebound game for the offense. You know, they they went up against a great Cal D last week and a team that just has played them frisky the last couple of years. Right. So it, it built up to that game. You know, I think that Colorado is not that caliber of a team. And I think that the Ducks get their way, and Herbert does some of those wow throws, like the ones he made against Stanford. Yeah. And everybody forgets about that Cal game. Yeah. Well, I'm going to piggyback on yours, and it's like it's not going to be. It's it's not a great. I wanted to do it last week, but I I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't. I picked Breland last week, and I wanted to pick Pittman. I'm picking Pittman this week. I think that week of knocking the rust off, getting back out there, I think it's clearly apparent his talent level and the fact that he's just an absolute grinder out there. I I don't know that he's going to break the hundred yard mark. Uh, in this game, but I think he's going to have a touchdown. I think he's going to lead the team on receptions, and he's going to be the guy that afterwards everybody's going, oh, man, this kid's getting it. So it really plays well with yours. You're counting on Herbert to have a big game, which would mean he's throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, even before you said that, my guy was going to be Pittman, and so now it looks like we're on the same page at least. <sighs> Micah Pittman. Yeah, that's my guy. Mm. I think he's got it. Yeah, friend of the pod. Yeah, man. I mean, him and Breland are going to battle for catches. It'll end up being close. They'll both. You know, they'll both be battling around five each, but um, I, I just think Pittman's going to be the guy that has a, a little bit bigger play potential this weekend. You asked me about favorite guests we've had. Yeah. Pittman and Jawan Johnson yeah. are the two favorite players I think we've ever that we've had. Yeah. They were good. It seems weird that we had Chris Steele on our podcast. <laughs> I still feel bad. You know, <laughs> know. there's a little piece of me, yeah. and and this is just me being guilty. 
there's a little piece of me that feels like I might have spooked Chris Steele because I <laughs> thanked him at the end there. I, I, I don't know if we caught it on air or not, but I said, hey, man, just I just want you to know that I'm 100 percent behind you and, and your reasoning for leaving Florida. Right. 100 percent. Right. And and then he said, thanks. And he hung up and then he's. You know, never to be heard from, never again. heard from again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, what did Matt Bagley scare him away right. here? Um, yeah, that was something, man. That was something. And then, you know, I, I, these transfers again, we, him and Devin Williams and stuff, all this stuff's just getting crazy. It's getting bizarre. Yeah, it's 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 crazy to cover. What a time to be alive. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like uh, I think um, I, we mentioned this in passing last week. Uh, Canzano was sort of subtweeting you sure and talking about how how uh you know he feels bad for people that cover recruiting he's like I, I feel for the people that cover recruiting every day right and it's like yeah you know i do feel for jay hop <laughs> you got a lot man you it's know not I, easy i'd rather i'd rather be covering that an actual story that you know which is a story than you know trying to create something out of nothing you know the days that there's anything going on are are tough to kind of okay we got to generate something mm-hmm. people want to talk about that isn't or bashing a royal or whatever and you know so i would i would rather you know be doing that you know i do feel there's often times and 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 that might even piggyback off that situation there there's a lot of you know uh a, a lot of attention paid to things to generate clicks it seems like that just doesn't uh, that isn't of substance you know what i mean so i don't know it but that's just journalism that, that that's not this market that's that seems to be journalism Everywhere. anymore. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. you look at ESPN's Twitter account, and that's all they're doing is you know look at this crazy player, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. I got NFL notifications with uh, more emojis than text. Yeah, I know how that goes. Yeah, or they're you know people. I mean they're still covering Antonio Brown and sending out stuff about him. It's like why he's not even playing football. Right? I can't go away from that, right. man. No, I know you can't. You know I did a radio hit in Eugene. We'll wrap up on this. This is totally not even ducks related. I did a radio hit, um, or excuse me, a podcast interview for uh, some high school sports guys in Eugene. And the first thing they asked me, they're not asking me about your nephew slaying it at North Medford, sure. why he's a you know potential state player of the year. They're not asking me about that great North Medford team or, or the team that they faced. They asked me about Antonio Brown because right. they know I'm a Raider fan. Right. And it's like, guys, why does everybody want to ask me about Antonio Brown? Right. If you really want to get under my skin, <laughs> ask me about Khalil Mack. Okay? Be a professional. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, just be thankful he doesn't wear green and yellow. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Well, that's a wrap, I guess. That was definitely an hour. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got I've got two. It'll probably be an hour and 45 40, yeah. after we... Uh, Cut all the, the junk out. Cut the junk out. Well, there you go, fans. We appreciate you guys supporting us and the feedback and listening and sharing these. It, it just it helps us. And, yeah. And uh, we'll keep trying to get pertinent guests on every week uh, as we can. But uh, we'll be back next week. Listen back for Kelly Graves. Listen back for Gary freaking Campbell. And we'll be back next week with Husky Hate Week. Yeah, Husky Hate Week. That's, oh, my goodness. That's going to be a party. Seattle. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Maybe we get some Seattle media on here. That'd be a treat. Mm. Scoop duck and high five. I can do this now.